Likutei Sichos, Chelik Yudalit, that's volume 14, the first Sicha for Parshas Vayelech. Now every Sicha is amazing, but the only real adjective that I can find for this Sicha is, wow, really amazing. This Sicha is an analysis on what the purpose and what the role of the Koyhanim are not just in the Beis HaMikdosh, but in our lives as Jews, and how it applies to each and every one of us. The Rebbe will analyze one of the great mitzvahs in the Beis HaMikdosh, namely the mitzvah of the Ketoris, the incense that they would offer, especially as it was done on Yom Kippur. And I can tell you, when we done the Sicha, you will never look at a Koyin the same way. When I say that, I mean you will you see a Koyin not just merely as a person who is, I guess, some kind of butcher who just has a pristine uniform and delivers meat to the Mizbeach, to the altar, but rather as somebody who serves the real purpose, a higher purpose of Am Yisrael. Let's begin the Sicha. In this week's Parsha, the mitzvah of Hakel is mentioned. Hakel is that they had to gather when I say they, I mean every single Jew, men, women, children, something which was not an obligation by all the other gatherings, namely the three times a year that every Yid was obligated to come to the Beis HaMikdosh, that was only an obligation exclusively for the able-bodied men. However, as far as women and children, there was no obligation. Whereas the mitzvah of Hakil, which took place on the second day of Sukkot, following the year of Shemitah, the sabbatical year, that the Torah says every single Jew had to attend, even babies. There's an interesting medish. The Tosefta, I'm sorry, an interesting Tosefta, which is in addition to the Mishnah. It says that during this Hakel, the Koyanim would spread out throughout Yerushalayim and stand in all the passageways, and whenever there were breaks, like breaks in the road, and they would stand with these trumpets, and they would sound the trumpets in order to gather the people to come for Hakel. And the Tesefta concludes that any Koyan that's not there with a trumpet, he's kind of, you say about that Koyan, that it seems as if he's not a real Koyan, he's not a Koyan. So the Rebbe asks, we need to understand, if you look in Rambam, Rambam is the supreme authority on Hilchas Kahuna, on the laws of priesthood, the Rambam says that the Koyanim, their duty was to serve in the Beis HaMikdosh. So the question is, what is their connection and obligation to this mitzvah of Hakel to the extent that if a Koyan is not there sounding his trumpet to rally the people to come to Hakel, it almost seems like as if he's not a Koyan. It puts doubt on his whole pedigree and his whole priesthood? Why so? What is his connection to this special mitzvah? And how does this bring out, how does this exemplify the essence of what a koyin is all about? For later on, in the very same Chumash, that's at Chumash Devarim, close to the end, before Moshe Rabbeinu passes away, he benches all the shvatim. And in the bracha that he gives to Shevet Levi, he also refers in particular 
to the family within Shevet Levi that was designated to be the Koyanim, the priests. And he says, quote, Yosimu that they will put k'toiris, that's the incense, ba'apecha, on your nostrils, meaning as a smell, and cholil on the burnt offerings on your mizbeach, on your altar. So it comes out from this, the fact that he mentions it as a separate thing, that A, it has a significance in itself. The fact that he mentions it first tells us that it has a, an important an importance or a greater significance in the role of what a Kayin is all about. In the Sifri, in explaining about this Pasuk, the Sifri, that is the Medrash, it says that Yosimu Ktoiris Ba'apecha, this verse that says, quote, they will put Ktoiris in your nostrils, meaning as a, as a pleasant odor, as a pleasant smell that goes up to Hashem, this is a specific reference to the avoido, to the service, the main service of Yom Kippur. In other words, if we were to, you know, analyze this and understand this properly, what the Sifri is saying is that they, meaning all the Koyanim, are the ones who are obligated, who are tasked with putting Ketoidus in your nostrils and more specifically on Yom Kippur. It's just that practically, because of technical reasons, you can't have all the Koyanim pack in there and bring incense, they'll burn the house down. So therefore, as Hashem had designated, there is one Koyan, the supreme Koyan, namely the Koyan Gadol, the high priest, who does it on behalf of all the Koyanim. Essentially, they're doing it. He just represents them in the actual delivery of the incense. Now, let's take a closer look at this incense of Yom Kippur and the laws related to it. There's a very interesting law that Ambam says in relation to this mitzvah. He says that on Yom Kippur, if they did not mix into the recipe of ketoides, if they didn't mix in the agent called Ma'ale Oshem, Ma'ale Oshem means it makes bringing up the smoke, then the Koyen who delivers, meaning the Koyen Gadol, who delivers this ketoides, has delivered an inadequate ketoides, and therefore he is liable to be put to death because he hasn't done his, he hasn't done uh, the mitzvah, he hasn't fulfilled the proper mitzvah, and he has no business being there in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. What is this thing about the Male Asham? It's the agent that they would put in to make it just smoke up and fire up, to make a cloud of smoke. What is so unique about it? What is so special about it? That specifically on Yom Kippur, they had to put it in to the extent that it's so imperative that if he didn't put it in, then he hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah, he has actually committed a sin. Now it's interesting that in, in truth, they always mixed it in. But it wasn't imperative. It was arbitrary. But on Yom Kippur, it was an imperative. What is it about the Ketoides on Yom Kippur that requires, that calls for this agent, the Mali Oshan? And besides... You can have a lot of questions which the Rebbe will ask later on. To explain this, the Rebbe introduces a very interesting insight from the Rambam in his Sefer Moira Nevuchim, the Guide for the Perplexed. Over there, the Rambam gives an idea, gives an, an explanation for this mitzvah of Ketoides, why they offered incense in the base of Mikdash. 
And he says the following. He says that this was done in order to eliminate, to, to, to repel the bad odors in the Beis Amikdosh. I mean, you understand that on a practical level, the Beis Amikdosh, all the meat that was slaughtered there, all the blood and, 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 and the skins and everything else, that generated a very negative, uh, very negative odor. And in order to repel that, and also for the people themselves, in order for them to smell good, that's why they did the Ktoidus. Of course, this cannot be taken at a very elementary, literal le level. You cannot take this at face value. As the Rabbeinu Bechai points out, that it's difficult to accept that this great teacher, referring to the Rambam, should take to describe such an elevated service in the Beis HaMikdosh, which in fact we know is the most elevated service of all the services of the Beis HaMikdosh, and turn it into something so simple, it's just a matter of, a, it's a janitorial thing, just to take away the bad odor, just a deodorizer. Rather, the Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar suggests, and the Rebbe expounds on it, that the idea of the Ketodes is actually to do away with the bad odors, the bad odors namely of the sins. Sin is a negative thing. Sin is decay. Sin is the opposite of good, the opposite of life. It has a, an odor of death, so to speak. And therefore, in order to clean away sins, this was done by means of offering dictators. Where do we see it? Where do we see it in dictators itself? If you look closely, you will see that the entire list, so to speak, the recipe that the Torah gives for dictators is all comprised of Various, uh, various uh, herbs, various plants that do not even serve as food for human beings. In other words, they don't even have the mila. They don't even have the quality of serving as food, uh, as something being uh, consumable by human beings. They're even lower than that. Furthermore, there was one of the one of the samimone haktoides. One of the herbs that was mixed in with the ktoides was the chelbera, which actually had a putent smell. It had a very bad smell. And the Chachamim tell us that why was that mixed in? And in fact, if that was missing, then the entire ktoides was invalid. Why was it mixed in? Because that represents the rishoyim. That represents the sinners, the people that stink, that people that spiritually give off a terrible odor. They had to also be represented when offering the ktoides for Hashem. So this spotlights the fact that the Ketodos was about cleansing the spiritual smell, sp cleansing the spiritual air and taking away the effect of the sin. Fantastic. But now we have a question. If that's the case, then why is it that they offered Ketodos on Yom Kippur in the first place? Furthermore, I mentioned previously that the essence, or I should say the highlight, I should say, of all the avoid of all the service on Yom Kippur culminated with what? What was the pinnacle of the of the avoid? What was the highest point of Yom Kippur? The Koyen Gadol offering the incense. And in a, in a way with the greatest effect, with the smoke going up, rising up. And where did he offer it? In the Kodesh HaGadoshim, the Holy of Holies. Think of it for a moment. Yom Kippur is a day when bad has no effect. In fact, there's various expressions in the Chazal based on the Psukim that specifically on Yom Kippur, the Satan, the Yitzhahara, has no power 
to have an effect. In other words, bad is, is, is suspended. Bad is suppressed. The Sultan can't even come to complain against the Jews. Moreover, think about it. The Kodesh HaKadoshim is the ultimate entity of holiness, of purity. Why would they need a cleansing in the Kodesh HaKadoshim? From this, we can derive. From this, we can come to conclusion that the service of the offering of the Ketodes on Yom Kippur is entirely different than it was the entire year. It was on a whole different level. It had a, a different effect, a much higher effect than it did a whole year. In order to understand this, the Rebbe introduces a concept which is discussed in Chassidus. And that is that there is two types of tshuva. Or to break it down, there is the regular tshuva, which is typically done throughout the year. And then there is the level of tshuva, which is a tremendously elevated level that is done on Yom Kippur. These two tshuvas, to categorize them, is tshuva me'ahava or tshuva me'yira. Tshuva that comes out of a deep sense of love and passion towards Hashem, or a tshuva that comes out of fear and awe of, of Hashem. And we also see it in the results, in the effect of what the, shu, the tshuva accomplishes. We see sometimes that the Chachamim tell us that when a person does tshuva, and he does sincere tshuva, tshuva meyira out of fear, he has a deep-rooted fear and awe, respect of Hashem, not just fear of sin, but a sincere and genuine fear of Hashem. What happens? Zidoinois nasim loikishgogos. Those intent, even intentional sins become downgraded to as if they were only unintentional sins, as if they were shkogos. In other words, a person no longer stands the threat of being punished for those sins because they have been downgraded. When a person does a sin unintentionally, he doesn't get an immediate punishment. Whereas, when a person does tshuva me'ahava, from deep love to Hashem, not only do they get downgraded, but the zedoinois nasim loikizochiyois, the actual, even in most intentional sins, become transformed, be converted into zochiyois, into merits. They become even elevated, and not only they're no longer bad, but they're pure. And you can actually see it in the qualities, the difference between yira and ava. What is yira? Yira is fear. Yira means it's kind of like a negative thing. You, you, you feel distant, you, you, you push away the sin, you, you feel like a certain subservience, you feel that there's a higher power over you, and therefore you negate the sin. What is the result? So to speak, it actually, the direct effect is that the sin also gets negated, it becomes pushed away, and therefore becomes downgraded. Instead of it being a severe sin, it be, that the severity becomes negated and it gets downgraded. Whereas, when somebody does tshuva, me'ava, when somebody does tshuva out of love, what does that mean? That he has this, so to speak, a positive thrust, a very positive um, desire, something that is pulling him towards Hashem, something that is pulling him higher and higher towards Hashem, and it reaches the depth of his soul, to beyond any logic and any rationale, thus he is able to 
become literally like a new entity, like a new person. Not the same person who committed the sin, not only intentionally, but even unintentionally. He becomes a person that becomes connected to Hashem. He becomes higher than everything. And therefore, the result of it, the effect of it is that the sins become actually converted into something positive. They transform into something positive. With this, we could actually understand the reason why the entire year there was Ketoros in the base of Mikdash, and why on Yom Kippur there was, and why it was in the Kodesh HaGadoshim, and why you had to have that agent of Maila Asham in order to make sure that the smoke rises up, 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 all the way going upwards. And this is it. A whole year, the tshuva basically, if I may, in plain simple English, is to clean up the mess. A person did a sin, a person feels bad, he regrets it, he has remorse. He wants to wipe away the effect, the filth of the sin, the bad smell of the sin. So what does he do? He does tshuva. The ktoiris, that's what it did. It cleaned up the mess. Like the Rambam said, it does away with the bad smell. Whereas on Yom Kippur, the tshuva here is not merely to wipe away sin. The tshuva is not just here to clean up a mess. The tshuva is to do something positive, to elevate the person to such a level that he should transcend all limitations, to transcend and go higher and to ascend and to become a totally new being. And this explains why it was done specifically in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. What is the essence? What is the essential thing in the Kodesh HaKadoshim? What is the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, all about? That the Orion stood there. The Ark. What does the Ark represent? Well, the Gemara tells us that that the Orion, although it had finite dimensions, but it was infinite. How was it infinite? Well, if you would measure the Orin, you would get its dimensions, as the Torah prescribes, as it was built by Moshe. But then later, if you went and you measured from the wall to the Orin, to one side of the other, and from the other side of the Orin of the Ark to the other wall, it would the measurement would come out in such a way as if it wasn't there. So this is called Nimnam Dimnois, the impossible of the impossibles. Or in the, in the way that Ebert terms it, this is the finite and the infinite and beyond the finite and the infinite. This is, comes from a power. This comes from a level that is beyond even the finite and the infinite. And therefore it can tolerate both. And it can fuse both together and bring them together in such a way that it's there, but it's not there. This is the idea of tshuva, me'ahava. You transcend, you go to such a high level that it's beyond beyond any limitation, beyond any finite limitation of sin, even beyond the infinite, which is the Torah, which prescribes, hey, this has to be punishable this way, this needs this done, this needs this to fix it. You go to such a high level, which it actually just transcends everything. And this helps explain also why this agent of Maile Ashan, of bringing up the smoke, was so imperative on Yom Kippur, because it had to rise up it had to physically go up the smoke, the ktoides, which this physical act was what actually brought about the spiritual reaction, the spiritual effect. It had to rise up way above 
the Aroin and it had to transcend it. And this is why, meaning going higher, in the Rebbe's words, higher than Seder Hishtalashilus, higher than the order of evolution of all the spheres and all the elements and so on and so forth. So whereas the entire year, it was just to clean up a mess, on Yom Kippur, it was about going and bringing them higher. So now let's go back to the original discussion, original question. What is the essence of a koyin? We said that the essence of a koyin is brought out in the offering the Ketodos. And according to the Sifri, it's highlighted in what? What is the main essence of the, of the, of the offering the Ketodos? The one on Yom Kippur. This is what a koyin is all about. This is the purpose of a koyin. To take the Yid, to take the Jew and help him not just do away with some sins, not just clean up a little mess, but to transcend and to ascend to such a high point that he is so high and so connected to godliness that the sins become not only they're no longer sins, but they become merits. That they, that they, that the Yid becomes a whole new entity. The Yid becomes a whole new person that wasn't there before. Hakel had a similar objective. Hakel was about doing what? Bringing the men, women, children, even people who typically are not on that level, people who are not typically obligated to ascend so high, even they had to come, even little babies who don't have any qualities of intellect and they can't even comprehend, they don't even know what they're hearing, even they had to be elevated to a high point. As the Pasik says, the purpose, the Pasik lays it out. Why should they all gather together? Why should they all come together? In order for them to hear Hashem's words and they will learn to fear Hashem, which by the way, interestingly, according to the Tanya, there's a fear which is even higher than the Ava, than the love and the effect of it that we just described. So to reach to the very highest level, that is the purpose of Hakel. And this helps us understand. This is what a Koyin is all about. The Koyin is not about delivering some meat to the, to the, to the altar. The Koyin is not about just lifting up and taking some blood from, 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 from a shechted animal. The Koyin is about elevating the Jews and connecting them to Hashem on the highest level and beyond. And therefore, if a Koyin is not doing his duty when it comes to this specific opportunity of, of Hakel to go and rally the Jews and bring those Jews closer, He's not a Koyin. This is not what he's about. And it's very interesting that the question can be asked, why specifically a trumpet? Why can't they use bells? Why couldn't they scream, make announcements? So if we look back where the Torah commanded Moshe to make Chatzotzreis, which notice that the word, word is in plural form. It's not Chatzotzreis, it's Chatzotzreis. So the Chazal tell us that there is a hint here. There's a remez here. And it's telling us that this is chatzi tzuris, shtei chatzi tzuris, so to speak, two half images that come together. That is the secret of the chatzai tzuris. Which, what are these two half images? Hashem and the Jew. The Kayin is there to announce to the Yid. And it becomes symbolized in him blowing and sounding through a chatzai through a trumpet which represents this idea of two halves, of two half images that come together and form one image. He's reminding the Jews just by the sound of it. You are half. You need to get to the other half. You need to transcend. You need to get above and beyond any limitations and connect to Hashem. Therefore, 
If the Koyin is not doing this, he ain't a Koyin. He's not a Koyin. The Rebbe concludes that the Hoidah, the directive, the lesson for all of us is as follows. We know that even those mitzvahs that pertain to a particular time and place, let's say, for example, those mitzvahs that are exclusive to the Beis HaMikdosh, or in certain times, such as the mitzvah of Hakel, only once in eight years, and only when they observe the Shemitah, and so on and so forth. But in a spiritual sense, they apply all times. In a spiritual sense, they're always applicable. A yid has to always derive the lesson from it and act on it all times and in all places. And therefore, it's understood that this mitzvah of hakel, of gathering the Jews, of calling out the Jews and bringing them higher and bringing them to a point that they transcend any limitations and they ascend all the way up to Hashem, this is applicable in all times and it's accomplishable in all times. Every single yid, in fact, is called a koyin. Because really the question can be asked, okay, I'm not a koyin. Let the koyin him go and do it now. Let the koyin him go out there on the mitzvah tanks and blare the music and bring the Jews together. Gather them. No. Every yid is a koyin. We know when Hashem gave the Torah, what did Hashem say? And you, who is you? All Jews. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. We are all considered koinim in this sense. And therefore, the Rebbe concludes that it's the obligation, and of course also the merit, the privilege of every single Jew to go out there and announce on the chatzotzer, announce on the trumpet, or announce to the Jew, look, there's another half to you. There's a Hashem. And you can connect to Hashem, and you can become one with Hashem. That is our role as Koyanim.